Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about the topic of a site. And as always, it's related to the part three exam and case study. So the key things to know are obviously there's a design approach to analysing a site, but there's also um, a project way of analysing a site. In your exam, when there's a question about the site or an issue that occurs on site, you need to begin to think about ownership. So who is in control of the site? It's quite important to know the pre-construction and construction phase is different. So during the pre-construction phase, the legal owner of that building or site that the work is going to happen is responsible for the health and safety of people on the land or in the building, right? So hence why if you begin a project, a principal designer is by default the client until someone is appointed. But this is different to the construction phase because that responsibility has transferred across to the contractor during the construction works phase. They're responsible for the site. So that's why the principal designer becomes a principal contractor who's on the side of the main contractor. And they're responsible for anything to do with the construction on that site, anything to do with that site. They are now, for all intents and purposes, the owner. They have to take into consideration the health and safety of everything, not just people, but the surroundings, um, how it's constructed, how any dig is done, whatever it may be, they are responsible. If an issue occurs on site, it is the responsibility of the contractor. Before that, it's purely the responsibility of the client. Now, once the construction phase has finished and handover has occurred, that responsibility then transfers back to the client. The contractor is now finished. The only responsibilities he had are during the defects period where he may have to come in and do it. But again, the responsibility after handover of that new building extension and site is all on the client again. So your role relative to your appointment and the procurement type, as I keep repeating, and the building contract needs to be factored in when there's a question. So there will be two types of questions related to the site usually um, in an exam. Previously in a podcast mentioned about the three stages of an exam, there's obviously the the front end, so um, up to planning point. Then there's questions on the, the main core bit, which is construction. And then there'll be questions about after construction, so after handover. During the first part of the exam paper where there's questions more related to um, the earlier stages of a project, you're going to look at the site in more design stroke practical terms. So you're looking for obviously neighbourhoods. So what's in the area, what's around it, what's on site. So this is this is to do with conservation and listed building. It's very important because a lot of questions touch on this. The other things you need to consider are in your answers are things like services, you know, easements and things like that. Now, in the first few paragraphs of that question, it's not going to give you everything. So you have to make an assumption. So do the best you can, you know, try and figure out whether this is an experienced client or not. And you can dictate then in your assumptions, which you should state at the beginning of your answer. And we'll talk more about answering questions in a later podcast. During the second portion of the exam, which is more 
focused around construction it's and the question will probably highlight about an issue on site so what's your role is number one so are you who are you appointed to are you appointed to the client or you appointed to the contractor then after what's your role who is in charge of that site Remember, I told you about pre-construction, construction, and then after handover, who is responsible for that site? Sometimes there are questions about something's collapsed or the structure being delivered, you know, it doesn't all fit or or that there's, you know, something far-fetched like a bomb is found or a skeleton unearthed, etc. Um, your answer shouldn't start with, I'm going to jump in my car, drive to site, dig out survivors, you know, or defuse the bomb. That's not your role. You're not a superhero for a start. Um the responsibility of that site, as I mentioned, under construction phase, is the contractors. They have their own methods of dealing with health and safety issues in any case and scenario. So what you should be asking yourself is after what's my appointment and what's my role is how did you find out about that issue? Who contacted you? Did the client contact you? Are you appointed to the client? then you will you will respond accordingly. Uh, did the client contact you, but actually you're appointed by the contractor under DMB? Then you have to clearly state the procedures that that client should take in order for that to filter down to you. They shouldn't be contacting you direct. They should be contacting through, if it's a large project, project manager, then the main contractor, then it's you. Now, it may be an issue that you don't actually need to resolve because the main contractor is experienced enough to deal with it. If it's a design issue, they may ask your advice. What I'm I'm hoping you're getting is don't just jump headfirst into this. Think about it. Think about who is responsible. How did you find out about this information? And after that, then what is the procedure to resolve the issue? Right? So if there was a bomb on site, for example, who do you have to notify? You. Who do you have to notify? It may not be anyone. It may be your answer is the contractor needs to actually notify HSE, needs to notify the local authorities, need to notify whoever it may be. So you have to think carefully about these responses. Um, the other time a site may be mentioned is in the third part of the sort of um, exam questions. So the third part is, is, is after handover. So there may be a defect in the building, you know, maybe something's leaking um, or the roof is leaking or, or whatever it is. So you'll be notified. You've got, they'll say, you've got, how do you deal with it? So again, who's now responsible for that site? So it's after handover. So the client is, or so who's, um, in ownership of that building? Is it the client? You know, after handover, I've said how it passes to the client, but what if it's a design, build, finance and operate procurement route? You know, do you know about that procurement route? You should do, hopefully by now. But if you don't, that's where a contractor is not only responsible for building it, but they will operate and maintain the building, right? So set out straight away what is, who's in charge of that building? Who's in, who's responsible for the site and the building? Just be clear straight away. Now, what's your appointment again? Who were you appointed under originally? Were you under the contractor? Were you under the client? So how have you been told about this information? Have a little think. Now, if you're a contract administrator, and that's why this question usually crops up, is if you're a, a contract administrator, what is your role? 
what certifications do you need to do? But what certifications would you have done to get to that point? Um, what potential issues or consequences are there if the contractor, the original contractor, is is no more or refuses to do the work? You know, what's within the contract that that resolves this issue? So one would be um, there's obviously a retention fee that the client has kept for the defects period, and you know, final certification hasn't happened because you haven't given that retention fee yet and the the defects period which again is is usually 12 months but can be different in depending on the contract um or what's agreed so who's responsible is the main contractor the one who should be notified you know they've got to go on site they've got to deal with it um do they do it straight away now there are some uh contracts that allow for if it's a minor defect they don't have to go straight away to fix it. Obviously, a leak is something major, but they can accumulate them and then say, right, we're going to do it in six months' time in the middle of the 12-month period. We're going to fix anything and then we'll come back and the rest of it. If a main contractor is defunct or refuses to do it, there are clauses that should allow the client to to appoint an external, or the building owner, not necessarily client, to um, appoint an external contractor to deal with that issue and fix that issue and then that money is taken out of the retention fee this is why i say you should you don't need to know about all the clauses but you need to know about the scenarios in so it's about understanding your role who you're appointed to when this happens who's in charge of that site who's responsible for that site okay so hopefully you now are getting the gist of it. You know, it's appointment, procurement type, building contract. These are the initial questions that you need to ask yourself. Where are you in the in the um, REBA plan of works? What stage are you in? So finally, glean as much information as you can out of the um, initial question and then make assumptions and state your assumptions so you can respond, you know. Are you appointed client side and it's a DMB project? How does that affect the issue? You know, are you the contractor minister and architect in a traditional project? How does that affect the outcome? You know, are you appointed under the contractor on a DMB project? How does that affect the outcome? Not everything is about <laughs> not everything is about you. Um, it's more about what the process is needed to resolve whatever issue may be in the construction or after the construction period. Hopefully this podcast on the site has kind of opened your eyes a little bit or it may have just confirmed what you already knew. But hopefully, because I'm quite repetitive, hopefully all these podcasts, are getting, you're, you're getting an understanding of key questions you need to ask yourself. Okay, um, I think I'll stop there. So in the next podcast, we'll talk about responsibilities. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast or you've learned something or it's like I say, it's... Um, reaffirmed your understanding of stuff um these podcasts aren't alternatives to studying you still need to learn all of this this is just kind of opening your eyes and 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 hopefully giving you more questions to delve in to these subjects thanks for listening and see you soon